Hello and welcome to the unofficial Clutch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, manager of the San Diego Armada. This week is episode seven. Uh, We've had a bit of a layoff since the last one. Polar Power League has gotten underway. We've had some lots of action. My guest this week is extra salty. (laughs) He is from everybody's least favorite state, maybe? Yeah. Well, or at the very least, California's biggest rival. <laughs> uh, he is the Scott, Scottsdale Salt Shakers. Nick, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been fun getting to listen to you start this podcast up and, uh, you know, now finally be a part of it. So great job with everything. It's been awesome so far. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am self-conscious because I am talking to a person that actually does this professionally as opposed to in his living room for fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a whole different thing, and uh, it's fun because I got to come home and actually do this interview here at home for once. So I got out of the studio and got on the other end of the mic. So I appreciate you having me, man. For sure. All right, so in Polar Power League action, we're at the third, fourth week. Uh, most people have played at least six or seven games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it seems like some people are really cruising along on that. I'm only six in, but I saw some people are already like seven and one. I think. Yeah, it definitely one. feels like we're doing much better than we have in previous seasons, where it seems like we'd fall behind pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, last season was my first season, especially playing online, and uh, it was definitely interesting getting the hang of rolling online and kind of getting the game flow down. But what I noticed most is that scheduling uh, kind of became an issue moving moving on down the road. And I felt like in Polar Power so far, we've really kind of solved that issue. And I don't know if that's because of, you know, uh, we're all very interested in the majors division and, and whatnot, but uh, I've been really proud of how everybody's kind of kept together. Yeah, and the games have felt shorter as well. Kind of, kind of, <laughs> Not for I, me, my friend. <laughs> well, that's we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like my games finally routinely will go under the two-hour mark. Where it felt like last year, it seemed like mo- it was like you had to devote a solid two hours, two-plus hours with setup and yeah. everything. No, so I, would, I definitely nice agree well. with that sentiment. I uh, last year it felt like you know you're, like you're saying three-hour games, sometimes even more, depending on how slow you rolled it. And I think just because of the whole league, um, you know, as a as a whole, getting the hang of the slack thing. Um, I think that's kind of what's been happening here. And we're just kind of seeing ourselves get better at using the medium. And, you know, that's something I kind of would like to talk about later or whenever is how, you know, this is a card game. And we play it online. And to me, that's that's like fascinating, you know. And, um, you know, just that we made that work and we have this cool little community going. It's It's actually really fascinating to me. And, you know, the way that the Internet has changed everything is mind blowing. You have played six games. You've had an interesting start to your season. You're two and four. You've had three blowouts where your losses, and mm-hmm. then uh, you had a close game. You lost against the Melonheads in week one, and then yeah. you beat them pretty handily week two, and then you just beat the Ginger Snaps in a 2-1 game recently. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel bad for the snaps. Uh, you know, I feel like in clutch that happens to me a lot where either if I'm blowing somebody out or I, I just beat them and they're not having a great stretch, I always end up feeling bad. But then, you know, I have to remember back to when I'm getting blown out. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you have gotten blown out a lot, mm-hmm. but it was it's almost intentional, kind of. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious because I don't think anybody else really does this. In at least one of your games... Uh, it was uh, maybe two games. You just left 
your starters in to get shelled. Yeah. And, and so of... it was just it was the first game against the Bombers. I actually he put up more runs against me the the second game when I actually was trying to beat him, which is kind of funny. Um, but you know, Strix actually went ahead and played Bombers right before me and got blown out, left his starter in, and Kamish was saying that he was trolling. Uh, and I think to some degree he was, but you know, at some some point you kind of play strategy. Um, for me, I really wasn't trolling. You know, I was getting beat by 10 runs. I, I still feel, and I felt like my team's not awful. You know, I may have put a little bit too much money into divvying out rel relievers amongst four and five guys. Um, but I wanted to save guys because I feel like I still have a shot. And so, you know, I, I figured if I'm already down by 10, you know, and I'm at Detroit or whatever, what am I going to do? So I kind of just left them in and, and freed up my pen for the next game and uh, ended up you know, getting burnt on the next two games by more than 10 runs in each. But uh, I don't know. I felt like it, at the time it was a worthy strategy. No, I think it's a good strategy. And I'm surprised more people haven't done that because mm -hmm. you do run into tired issues. And so, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess you could throw out Chris Hatcher and, yeah, you know, whoever in uh, Twaza, uh, June Twaza. <laughs> Every but... time somebody puts that guy's name into Slack, somebody does the Japanese emoji. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, well, so, so, so I think on it's a good strategy. Note, uh, on that note, you know, Luke Gregerson's my closer, and and I like him, and I like Batansis, but they haven't even really pitched for me. And you know, I feel like I'm saving them for close games, but so far this season for me, it's been blowout one way or the other. You know, and you know, so I feel like I'm saving them for this special situation. But if I've learned anything in clutch, especially with strategy cards, when you do that, you know, you can tend to screw yourself over a little bit. Batansis is interesting because he had a bad outing with you, and. Yeah. I feel like he's had terrible luck this year because my Batansis hasn't been doing well either. He's, <laughs> what, he also, he, he also, uh, where did he go? He you know, you're in the, you're, aren't you in like the division of death or something? Yeah, we, we've self-described it. The, the, yeah, the group of death, the ulcer, the ulcer division. Yeah. You know, I felt like that when I saw I had Navarre in my uh, league. And it's funny because Navarre is just ahead of me. Um, for last place, so <laughs> well, I guess I'm in last place, but he's just a, ahead of me for third. Yeah. So Batansis for me, he also has like a 10 ERA. So, and I think someone else I played it, uh, against him, and he also I also scored some runs on him, which is weird because he's a good cheap card. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and I think that the dice gods have something to do with this. They know that Dellen's too cheap to have a 19 <laughs> walk, and they always uh, they they're out to get us. Um, so last year in high heat, I, I had Dellen too, and I, I'm on a first name basis with him, I guess. Naturally, <laughs> I had Bedantis last year, and, and he screwed me over more often than not. And I don't know what it is because you know his card is, I mean, what is it five five command with a 19 walk? I, I mean, that's that's good. But for some reason, they find a way on, man. Yeah, and only one X for under yeah. two hundred. You, you know, um, you so I don't know. Power die home run off him either. You have to have a, a strat card to do that, which is huge. Actually, that saved me. So I believe, I think I brought him in maybe against the snaps. It was either uh, the snaps or the nightmare, and uh, they came one one. I think it was a snaps. He had the bases. Uh, Two runners on. He was down by uh, two, and he uh, almost walked it off with a pitcher chart twenty-four. Oh. Um, but the twenty-five was the home run, so I, I yeah. kind of freaked out in my head for a second. Um, but yeah, that nineteen—I don't know—they seem to get on around him. I don't know why. 
So you're, you're starting pitching actually looks fairly similar to mine. You have the likes of Brandon McCarthy and Andrew Triggs, who I think are great middle-of-the-order guys. Um, you went the opposite direction of me, though, and you went better on the higher end. And you actually – your number one starting pitcher was almost my number one starting pitcher. So I'm uh, curious – Pardon? Steve Rogers. Yeah, Steve Rogers. So I'm yeah. curious why you ended up using him and kind of what your – strategy behind that was yeah you know uh i really really like that card i think a lot of us were saying that the eight innings pitch kind of broke um the game a little bit for his salary uh you know i think that five command you know more often than not it's it seemed that i've either really won advantages or really lost them so for me a five to a seven or a five to six wasn't as important as you know resting my bullpen for the next four so i know that i have that brandon guy and the you know brandon mccarthy and the four spot and i'm going to be using some you know relievers those games um so i want to make sure i had that eight guy you know in, in high heat i didn't have that eight guy and it felt like i was always pulling from the pen and i never had a chance to really let things settle down so there's kind of that and you know with triggs i felt like last year in high heat you know i learned so much about not only strap play but also lineups and and with triggs i felt like i wasn't punting five as much and i feel good about that um but you know one time through the the order i'm two and six or two and four or whatever so we'll see so skaggs is your five that's funny because he's my three <laughs> Uh no no Triggs is my father. Oh Triggs yeah yeah Triggs yeah he's my, yeah. He's my number three guy. So I any, sorry to interrupt you before we move on. Do you have any repeat players from last year, Matt? Um yes, I believe D Gordon. Mm-hmm. And um, you're a steals kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, and no, um, and then I think Skaggs, and I want to say. McCarthy and Triggs as well. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, and then the bullpen, Boxberger. Yeah. And... I feel like the bullpen, um, you have to recycle a lot of those guys just based on how teams are being built and what the meta is right now. Yeah, so the reason I ended up not going with Rodgers is because I really wanted to use Trevor Hoffman for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you can... Well, the prevailing thought with Hoffman is that you should just always pitch him more than one inning or pitch yeah. him tired. Like, if you get a 24 on the pitcher's chart, you single with him. And then you would, ha- if you want to get a double, it's a, it's a 25 and a home run's a 26. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to use him as much as possible. And then I also got Patances, who we've talked about. And then the other guy I got, I kind of splurged this year. Last year, I had a multi-inning reliever, but he was... Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was, but it was a one to three X Archie Bradley type guy. Yeah. So I got Chris Russin, uh, who's a two inning guy and he's a one X. And then I also got, uh, Yoshida Hirano from yeah. the, um, from Arizona, yeah, you know, Arizona. he was filthy for us this year, you know, watching him all year in real life. Uh, it was crazy watching Yoshi go out there. Um, and I'm glad he, his card, was you know worthy of what he did in that first half you know it's unfortunate that my d-backs couldn't really hold on to that bullpen moving forward but uh glad he got a card yeah no but to, to talk about your bullpen for a second um it's definitely strong i think a really big thing is the multi-inning guys and both years i've just had adam morgan in that role um and i feel like everybody has him because he's so cheap but you know uh, i played i think aaron Baral. 
the New England Nightmare, and he had, I don't know if it was Hatcher or who it was, but it was a three-innings pitched, five-command guy. I can't remember who it was. And, uh, you know, that's huge for me. That's something that I would love to do next year just because I feel like so much of my pen um, has gone unused in some games. And having that three-inning gap or bridge is, is just huge, especially at five command, you know. Yeah, so with such a strong relief pitching, it seems silly to have a guy who could go eight innings because mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't feel like there was a lot of value in being able to save the pen. Right. Uh, um, and I was able to do so much with, like, that extra salary I saved. Right. And I also – and I'm also a fan of the – Take only having starting your pitcher three innings. I think there's a lot of value in that, especially when you're like me and have Luis Perdomo and Tyler Skaggs as your four and five guys. Yeah. And so having all those innings available in the bullpen, I've been able to manage that really well to where I could bail on those guys as quick as I needed. Although, have you uh, gotten to tired yet on any of your your pitchers? Oh yeah, yeah. I've definitely pitched some pitchers tired. I. I try to avoid it. So if I have pitchers who are tired, like um, the last game I played where I came back, um, I, I won late on. I was running into the issue. It was – who was I playing? It was against Luchadors. And his stadium is – so I was playing the High Rollers a couple of games ago, and their stadium is Wash- the All Star Game Washington, which mm-hmm. all clutch applies eighth inning, eighth inning or later. Yeah. And I had, and both Hirano and Hoffman were tired, okay. and basically no one else has positive clutch in my bullpen except for Russin, who I had used earlier in the game, and so I, I ended up using Hirano in the eighth. Because I needed it basically canceled out the tiredness outside right. of the power die. So he was still a, a six command because he's a plus right. one clutch. And if I had come back, I would have had to f- decide if I wanted to use Hoffman as well because he was my other uh, guy with positive clutch. So I kind of take it game by game. If a guy's tired, I try not to use him. But, you know, if, if it's a close game in the in the middle of the order is coming up the ninth inning, I'm going to use Hoffman at it he's by far and away even if only six command he's still a really good card yeah no definitely i mean as far as the command dropping it's not a big deal to me um what does scare me about that method is the whole fact that they can still get you know an advantage with a with a power die on their chart and and in a situation where you're leaving hoffman in i sort of feel like it's going to be a close game i'm not sure if you're bringing hoffman in you know a five run six run plus game so you know, just maybe I'm, you know, uh, for lack of not swearing on this, a scaredy cat. But, you know, I know that Commissioner Jordan likes to play, you know, he, he, he likes the boon card because it's risk-reward. And I think that when you do that with Hoffman, it is risk-reward. I mean, you always do run that chance of them getting on their chart and using that power die. So, Yeah, so I use him. I think I might have used him as a true closer once so far. I'll basically use him whenever like, like high uh, leverage. Yeah, high leverage kind of the analytics side of things. So sometimes there I think once I pitched him in the 4th and 5th inning or 5th mm-hmm. and 6th or something because it was like the beginning of the order. Yeah. My thing with the power die is it's scary but then it's also not scary 
because sure there's a higher percentage chance you can get over 20 but most batter's cards still aren't like that good and like you can still get out with the power die and most of the time the odds are they'll get a single so that's kind of how i balance it is yeah he could hit home run but now that i'm kind of so i brought up one of my box scores just to kind of look at it and you know, like we said, if you're bringing in Hoffman in a high leverage situation, I'd imagine you're bringing him against like the two, three, four guys, or depending on, you know, yeah. what people do, it's it's a different set of guys. But I'd imagine that you're bringing him in for the good guys, right? So if you're pitching Hoffman tired, uh, you know, I'd imagine more times than not, he's already gotten through the big hitters, and you know, maybe you're just pitching tired to like a Schwarber or a Maldo. So I mean, there's always that. I guess now that I think about it further. Yeah. So generally the first inning I'll have it to where the first inning is that whatever the heart of the orders, whatever the, their best batters are. And then the second inning is generally the end of the order to where right. the odds are, it's going to be on your chart. And even if they don't, like you said, it's against their worst hitters. Yeah. And you know, that does make sense now that, you know, I kind of verbalize that um, now really quick. So I mentioned Something about the Vermont Monarchs, man. They're just running train on everybody. And I know that you said you're going to play them shortly here. So uh, I'll have you in my prayers. But <laughs> but I can't. I'm looking at their team right now, and I'm not sure what it is about it that's killing it. I mean, he has, you know, six out of his nine guys are hitting above 300, like 340. So <laughs> that always helps. But, you know, is this a case of the dice gods, Matt? Or, or what is this going on here? It probably is a little bit of that but it's also strategy cards the biggest reason why i'm so good this year is definitely my strategy deck um just knowing the cards more and i think that's a big difference this year this league as well is everybody knows the strat cards a little more and i think that's also why the games take less time is because you don't have to look up every every time someone uses a strat card you're like hold on i need to look up that effect real quick I will say I am not the best still at knowing all of them. So. Oh, no, I'm not either. Um, so I think my guess is probably strategy deck. Um, and also he's definitely lucky because, I mean, he only has three batters under 500. I mean, ERAs look great. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot of luck involved um, because I, while I've been good, I definitely think luck played into it because I beat, I beat your boy – um, the first week of the season. Oh, uh, shade. Yeah. Let's see. my boy because he's my son. <laughs> that sounds a lot weirder when I say it out loud and not online. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weirder <laughs> saying it than typing it. Yeah. I think pa- was, was Pedro or Scherzer is number one. Oh, I just had it up. I just Either way, it was Scherzer yeah. or Pedro versus my uh mm-hmm. base set Aaron Nola, and mm-hmm. I won. And okay. it's like a lot of it, it has came down to luck partially. So I think my guess is it's a combination of luck and potentially good strategy deck. Yeah. Um, usage. To, to, in that regard, just to piggyback off that, uh, I totally have to agree with you what you're saying about the strat play this year. Uh, last year, I felt as if um, the strat play was a lot different, not just for the experienced players, but, uh, you know, 
even more so for the people that were trying this league online for their first time and whatnot, and even for me, and and just watching you guys kind of destroy me at the end of some games really showed me how to properly use strats and whatnot. And, um, you know, last year it seemed like I lost in the eighth and ninth inning almost every time. Uh, it was, you know, always good until it wasn't, and somebody just kind of outstratted me. And uh, so, so what I learned you know, from last year was how to effectively use strats and when to use them and how to combo them and whatnot. And and I do feel like that has just been a huge part of my game this year uh, as well. And, and you know, my record may not show for it, but, um, you know, my strat play, I've been really proud of it. And that's why I haven't been, you know, too angry about my record so far, just because I feel like I've learned so much. And, um, you know, it, it's just fun to get better and, and, and do things and try different uh, try different things, so. Yeah, and I think a big part of it too is just being well-rounded. You need yeah. a good team that's balanced to whatever strategy you you want to do whether it's a speed team like I have or an all, you know, all pitching team like Shade has. And then also using your ballpark as yeah. well in addition to having a good strategy deck. I feel <laughs> like it's definitely a game where you can't rely on one aspect of it. Cause that's what I did uh, last year with my all power right. team. Yeah. I put everything towards power, including strategies and it didn't work out because I would score a bunch, but you know, it, it it's, it's difficult to rely on hitting sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. And uh, it, it's funny what you say about um, your, your all power strats and whatnot. So, so you're one, I decked a ton of exuberant and locked in and a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, but, I was noticing that I never got to use them because in order to use them, you have to score runs. And I was overloading my hand with all these, you know, essentially great, you know, effects like momentum effects and stuff, but I was never able to have the basic strats to get there. So, so more than anything, like I've gone through my, all the strats and, and started to pull in a bunch of more basic strats, like stuff that sounds boring to most people, but you know, like, um, what is it? Like there's the sack bunch strip, uh, strat or something. And I scored, last game by rolling like a 16 and if i hadn't done it the pitch would have gone on as normal but like with plus one so i feel like a lot of those small strats um once you use those and figure out how to implement those that's what makes those bigger strats like pay off you know yeah my biggest advice is for strat cards is to find cards that have as a generic use as possible so mm -hmm. like tailing wins yeah before the swing on a pitcher's chart like that happens all the time yeah, you can have lot. two of those in your hand and you could use two of those in an inning easily mm -hmm. whereas exuberance is like oh you need to have a two out rbi it's mm -hmm. like well that's not as rare like that situ to be in that situation is very rare and then to succeed in that situation is even rarer so i have mm -hmm. a lot more like more generic like bush league before double play attempts double mm -hmm. plays are very frequent so those type of cards where it's not a very, a very specific event has to happen are great. Um, and they'll help you like Bush league isn't going to necessarily score you a run, but it no. is certainly going to save you an out. No. Uh, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, uh, is it uh, deep drive where on a fly ball, everybody moves yep. up one. It's like stuff like that. You just got to be playing that. And, and it always seems to come around if you do it enough and do it the right way. It's kind of like stealing. I've been looking at some of the ratios this year, and it seems like people are pretty successful in stealing. So, um, 
but yeah i you know it just you said something a little bit ago and you know my apologies for jumping back a little bit but like we you know mentioned at the beginning i do podcasting a lot on my own so i always have things running through my head while we're talking about other things um and i just wanted to mention um you you mentioned about building around stadiums and online like i actually i don't think i said this on the cast yet but uh, I, I put off this portrayal as this like salty uh upset angry guy <laughs> And, uh, you know, I view this kind of like the WWE, right? This is the salt shakers are my ego. It's a bit, you know, um, you know, I love people. I'm a great guy. Uh, I would like to think in, in real life, but I like to put off that kind of aggressive persona in, in this. And I think it's really fun. So, you know, to that sentiment um, in team building, sometimes I'll mess around with my ideas. And, you know, I'm so not always into like what everybody kind of thinks and so my first two atlanta teams had no atlanta players and i got berated for it man it was it was bad but uh, i think you guys all kind of helped me you know change my mind into getting freddie ender and um albies on there but i just thought it was interesting because like i don't know I, i think you can win clutch without being um not mainstream but I think you could do it in all kinds of different ways. Does that make sense? Yes, I agree. And that's why I don't like when people are like, oh, you have to, if it's your stadium, you need to use guys. Like, well, no, like you're over, like if your stadium, because we don't get to pick stadiums for the tournament, for the yeah. leagues. So you, you're kind of like, if you have it, if you want to try something different, like for me, I lucked into my stadium working with a, overarching strategy that I wanted to try. Who'd you get? I got Montreal stadium. Uh, it gives you plus five on ground ball advancement attempts. So I basically built like an all speed team, dude. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. And I built the all speed team just because I wanted to try it and see, uh, because I think that's a big, another big thing is reducing the amount of outs on base. Um, and so, and so I ended up using it, and then I also had Trey Turner as in the field to negate the stadium effect. So effectively, right. I have maxed out my ability to potentially use my stadium, even though it only applies in very specific scenarios. Right. And so, I have eliminated the other team completely. The other team can never use that effect at all. Yeah, right, just by inherently having that guy in there. Do you think there's the, you know, so for our league, like you mentioned, we just get randomly assigned stadiums. We don't have a huge chance to really, you know, pick. Do you think that in a a format like this where we're assigned stadiums, there's certain stadiums where it's just absolutely useless to build around it at all? And you would have, if you had given the, been, you know, given one of those stadiums, do you think that you would have just kind of thrown that effect out the door and kind of did it your own way? Yeah, definitely. There's, There's definitely different tiers of stadiums. There's some stadiums that are, essentially useless and you know they're not good versus there's some stadiums that are like very like detroit the devs are listening man (laughs) and detroit like is crazy insane so yeah i think for me it's use the cards you want to use so like i really wanted to use trevor hoffman in my team yeah are there other closers that are cheaper and potentially almost just as good. Yeah. Maybe yeah. But I just wanted to use Trevor. And so I decided I'm going to do that. And so I think there's like that balance of maxing out, like, cause at the end of the day, it's still chance. 
you know, you can max out everything and do the yeah. math and have the almost optimal lineup and optimal strap decks. You oh, can't yeah, control you know, the die. Set up with your percentages. and Yeah. <laughs> so there's chance involved. So you have a little fun along the way too. Like for me, you're talking about like kind of the WWE vibe. Right. My thing is Runge Doder, right? <laughs> it I, is though. It I, is. And like... I don't know. Like I thought it was a good idea and I went with it and everybody had such a reaction. I'm like, no, now I am firmly entrenched in this idea. Absolutely. And especially when we need, when it comes to the point where we need field odor bomb alerts, that's when, you know, it's gone into the next stratosphere of being real. (laughs) He's hit two pitchers charts, home runs. I mean, and and that's my, and that's kind of my point. And that illustrates my point is it comes down to chance, right? Like, Sure, most of the time he's going to get on the pitcher's chart and most of the time he's going to get out. But him being on a pitcher's chart is literally no different than Mike Trout being on a pitcher's chart. And right. his no, percentage, not. yeah, his percentage chance of getting success on a pitcher's chart is no different than Mike Trout's. So, it's one of those like try it and see. And mm-hmm. sure he may fail, but my point was no matter who I had in the 9 slot is probably going to be equally as bad. So why not have a little bit of fun, maximize when it does happen. Like right. the other day, he ended up, he had the bases loaded on his chart. And mm-hmm. sure, he got out, but I think he, pro- I think whoever I, cheap guy I would had would have gotten out on that die roll. I think it was like a five or six or something. You yeah, know, I so mean, it's not I, like it was a. Give, I mean, and also, you know, with the Odor thing, you know, in the first couple episodes of the podcast, you spoke a lot to, you know, you can't have everything. I mean, yeah. that's not just clutch, though. That's life. That's that's your career. That's like, have you ever heard the uh, analogy about the four burners in your life, like family, kids, fun, like whatever it is? Yeah. You know, it's it's just a real life thing. It doesn't matter if it's a game or it's life. You have to have trade-offs. And I think Odor is one of those good trade-offs where, like you said, you're going to have Maldo down there anyways or whoever it is, or you're going to punt somebody in your pen. And if you if you want Hoffman, you know, I really – he's probably going to be more useful, right? Because, like, a guy like Odor, it's, it's hilarious. He's got that good home run and that shitty on base, but – you hit the home runs without him even having the advantage. So it didn't even matter, yeah. you know? So it, it just kind of, like you said, it comes, you already said this, but it, you know, it comes down to that chance. And I, I think you have to make trade-offs and that's just a life thing, not just a clutch thing. And, yeah. and Odor is the monster of all trade-offs, Matthew. <laughs> he, he really is. And I stand by it and I'm very excited that he's doing terribly for shade and pretty good for me. I mean, so I, to talk about the list yeah. for a second, so you, if you look, compare him to Matt Weeders, who's arguably a like-flight replacement in terms of a nine-hitter, Weeders gets yeah. a 5% better chance at getting on his hitter's chart. Okay, so what are you going to do with that 5% chance? He right. gets out the same amount of times. He singles 10% of the time less. He doubles 10% of the time less, and he homers 10% of the time less. So right. it's like what are you really getting for that extra 5% chance of getting on his die? Like how many, how many, and I'm curious, I've been tracking this to see how many times would weeders have gotten on his hitters chart as opposed to a door. So far it's zero more times or maybe one. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. Minimal. Yeah. Uh, And like I said, he's, and he's, he's had a few uh, hits on his chart too. So 
He hasn't got all out all the time. That's always good. Dude, my Maldo has been one of my better hitters somehow. I don't I don't know how. <laughs> and it's funny because my two twelve on base guys are both leading the average leaderboards ahead of my two thirteens and my fourteen. So I don't know what the deal is there, but um you know, you said it was funny just going back to it again. You said that uh, you're fully entrenched in that bit about Odor. And uh, my moment when I realized I had to keep being salty and keep this thing going was when Jordan called me the heel of the league. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jordan, you don't even know what you just did. You do, you're just feeding, you're feeding the beast right now, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to have fun. I mean, funny. it's a, at the end of the game. It's a card. End of the day, it's a card game. I right, mean, and we that's all like what you're saying about pitching and... guys you like or picking yeah. guys you like. Yeah. Right, you know, there there's so many statistics we can throw out there, and I'm sure the majority of us that play clutch are stats nerds and you know all the like. But in the end, it's baseball. It's a card game. I'm buying these so that I can get Max Muncy and put him in there and walk myself all the way to the championship. <laughs> and you know, I hate the Dodgers, but Max Muncy's had a year, and I just wanted to use him. So I found a way for him to be in my lineup, and it's just I think that in the end it's a game, and we, we all love our players, and, and we're going to find ways to get them in there and try and kick everybody else's asses. So, Well, and the other thing, too, I viewed Odor as everybody, including myself, likes to complain about the number of players. Like there's You have 400 options. That's all you got. All you got. Yeah, yeah that's all. You only get 400. <laughs> so like we're all playing with the same small pool of players and so for me like using Odor was like maximizing like no one else is using him no one else is doing this like this could be the edge that get that separates me from everybody else in terms of yeah. winning and yeah and it might be because no one else is doing it and so if I do it and it's successful like that gives me advantage over everybody Right. And just like the shade, just going out there and throwing five like absolute aces. Um, I think that it's fun. Some of you got you vets are like switching it up and um, trying new things because you've already tried kind of the more normal ideas and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because like clutch is a game and all that. But now that we've put it into a, a league with a, a web page and series and, and matchups and, and pitchers and tiredness, man, it really it's funny to say, and I know it sounds kind of lame or whatever, but it's actually kind of real. Like having like unique differences and advantages and knowing how to use your strats is almost like an MLB club, you know, making a mid season pickup of Steve Pierce and, you know, getting MVP of the world series, or it's kind of like, you know, whatever sets you apart is almost like a, a big league team going out there and rebuilding. And so, uh, I don't know about like the rest of you guys, but I'm just kind of a super stats nerd. Like I love fantasy baseball. Um, I'm pretty into fantasy football, um, but I just love fantasy baseball. I love the stats. I love numbers. And, and I think that's all of us. And so, you know, I think that that's like what it comes down to is that we're all about that unique difference and what can we do statistically to beat somebody else. And, you know, this community has made this so much fun. Like I wouldn't have touched my clutch cards in the past year and a half if I hadn't joined the Slack. Yeah, it's great. And everybody has, every manager has their own personality. I mean, obviously we're on one side of the spectrum in terms of yeah. some of the things, but yeah, I feel like everybody, you, everybody has that, like when you're playing the person, you're like, oh, this person is different. Yeah. And you, it's a different flavor. You're not just playing the game. Mm -hmm. You're playing against a different person. So that's always fun too. Dude, I haven't been stolen on this year and everybody's been stealing and it's really, really weird. I haven't, I have not in six games faced one steal attempt, which has blown my mind. So let's talk about stealing for a second. Yes. <laughs> Everybody complains you can't steal. And uh, I think of most of my 
someone uh, did a chart on like the stolen base numbers, and I've rolled out a seven bat a seven battery, not <laughs> once, not twice. Like total battery? Yes, like batter or uh, catcher and pitcher combined, seven, and no one has called my bluff. There's been a couple steals, uh, but yeah, seven, and people still don't steal. And part of the reason why I was so okay with that is because I noticed most people don't have a ton of 20 speed guys. No. I think there's only a couple of us that have more than two. So yeah, okay, you're going to steal on me once. Cool. He's a 20 speed anyways. It's not like it's going to be that hard to get him home in the first place. So no right. one's called my bluff yet. Right. And and I feel like, um, you know, if I were to like, so in high heat, I had Detroit. I feel like if I would have gone back, I would have thrown a little bit more speed on that team just because it's so advantageous to steal a base and get into scoring position. I mean, like right now, the biggest reason I would do it is to stay out of a double play, you know, in like a time where I need it. But I feel like if you're going to be stealing a lot of bases, you have to have a little bit of protection for those guys because, I mean, like if you have your guy that, you know, your 20 speed stolen base guy like Billy Hamilton hitting seventh or eighth, I mean – you get that guy on base, you don't want to, you know, he has a chance to get out. So like, I don't know. I don't know if that made sense, but, but it's also like the advancement too. I mean, outside of stolen bases, I've scored so many runs this year mm -hmm. from second with a 20 Go speed on. guy and he's gotten the plus 10 bonus. And most guys, most people don't have more than a 10 outfield. Like I feel like 10 is kind of the normal. A is lot of guys get smaller this year. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that's part of it too, is everybody realize like, okay, yeah, you could have a stacked infield and outfield, but then that really limits the guys you can use. And it's kind of boring. Cause I yeah. made that comment the other day with someone, cause I, there's been a ton of guys. I feel like ground balls aren't automatic double plays anymore where it feels like last year it was, if you hit a ground ball with a guy in first, it was basically gonna be a double play. And right. so I, again, I think that's more of the diversity of the league now is we've kind of, mm -hmm expanded outside of like the narrow like oh we need max speed uh max infield right. max outfield and we need a high battery it's like well no yeah no i i definitely agree it's just setting ourselves aside has, has been a huge thing so um you know something two quick questions i because i just in the essence of time i'm trying to throw throw things out there on the table that i faced the snaps and he had something very interesting i'm looking at the box score right now so his lineup goes D Gordon, 12 on base, Gary Carter, 13, and then Brandon Crawford hitting third at an 11, followed by Maris and Zimmerman both at 12. And, you know, I asked him, I said, what's your reasoning between hitting Crawford third? And he said, you know, a lot of people, it seems like the normal thing that everybody's doing in the league right now is hitting their worst hitter third, because more often than not, he comes out with two outs in the inning and nobody on. And I, you know, I, I love every, like, we're just speaking about how unique everybody's teams are. And I think it's fun to try different strategies, but, and I'm not calling snaps out. I love the kid, but man, that, like, I'm looking at this thing right here. Crawford came up three times throughout the game with two runners on. Oh. And, you oh. know, you have your number three hitter and 11 Crawford right in the middle of your, your rally. So, like, what do you think about that? Like, breaking up, like, are you into the whole idea of stacking like I've been doing and so many other people? Or are you kind of into the idea of breaking it up like that? I don't know. I feel like I try and maximize my lineup. Um, yeah. So, I, I'm not, you know, my best hitters are the top of your lineup because over the course of a season, statistically, they are going <laughs> to get up the most often. And who do I want up more often? Roger Maris <laughs> yeah. or Adur? Right? That's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it is 
over the course of a season, you know, just the top guys are going to get more at-bats. So my lineup is Marte, Gordon, Bellinger, Maris, Alfaro, Baez, Albies, Turner, and Odor. And it's pretty balanced in terms of going back and forth between right and lefties, um, although not, like, exclusively. There are three back-to-back lefties. Um, so I try to mix up a little bit to make bullpen decisions a little more difficult. Yeah. But for me, I have Marte as my leadoff guy. He's a 12 R plus one. He only gets out on four and he has a speed of a, so I feel like it's a good, that's huge. Good leadoff guy. And then I have Gordon as my second guy again, 12 on base, good speed. He's a singles guy. He's seven to 19 single. He's going to hit a single. Yeah. And then I have Bellinger as my three guy. He so far has had more luck than Maris. Um, so I have him ahead of Maris just because Maris has been doing poorly for me so far. And then I have Maris and then uh, Alfaro, uh, Baez, Albies, Turner, Odor. Now, now what Turner is that? Uh, Trey Turner. He's oh, dude, the 12. Your, your lineup is pretty stacked, man. Yeah. It's a, he's a 12 on base. He's got the stolen base logo. He's got 20 speed. He's, I'm trying to look. I think. I feel one, like you, two... you have a lot of 12 on base guys, which is good because, like I said earlier in the show, yeah. my, my two top hitting average guys are both 12s over my th- two 13s and 14. And half of my lineup, they only get out on four. Dude, that's huge too. And because, yeah. so that's the reason why I haven't been able to stagger my left right as much. Like, so I have. <sighs> four lefties and a switch hitter and then all the rest are righties so i i could totally stagger my lineup like very well the problem is like i'm looking at that walk like what do they how many outs do they have like when do they get on and it's so hard to throw schwarber and chris davis any further up in the lineup because yeah i could play you know left right you know matchups and they're they're all the same on base but then you're like having three more out chances and to me i'll tell you i'll i'll you know, I'll take the less outs. Yeah, and so for me, I want the idea behind building my lineup is I didn't. I wanted to make it as hard as possible for you to make a bullpen decision. And right. I feel like for a couple of games, there's been times where I was like, you know, I'm just gonna throw out Twaza because even like the bottom four guys are so bad. It's like I feel okay enough to use them. Where yeah. for my lineup, I want to make it like you have to like struggle with that decision. Am I going to use my best guy or can I get away with a lesser guy? And when you have Turner in the number eight spot, it makes it hard. Yeah. It makes it hard to even like, I mean, Alfaro is a 11, but if you're a righty, he's a 13. Like, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to throw a righty and he's in my number five hitters, a 13 on base. And then even if you get a lefty in there, he's still 11. Yeah. And even if like, Say you have that lineup in a starting pitcher four or five game, and you you're gonna see the bullpen in like the fifth inning. You can only like if you only have even if you have three lefties or something or three matchup guys in your bullpen by the seventh or eighth inning, you're gonna be out of those guys because you don't allow for the opportunity to go like okay lefty for the top of the order like strong guy in the top and then shitty guys in the bottom like just throw Boxberger in there for seven eight nine. You know you really you know, test that boundary, which, which is huge because against some of the other teams, man, I've just been like, okay, I'll throw my box burger and my Adam. Well, I save him for multi-inning, but you know, I'll throw my shitty guys and then I'll just throw my good guys at the top, like Justin Wilson. And it's been working out. So I kind of scared to face you because you know, those decisions are hard. 
Yeah, and the other thing too is I stacked. So my lineup goes against righties. My lineup goes 13, 12, 12, 13, 13, 11, 12, 12, 9. What? Like who has a good lefty in their bullpen? Who has more than one good lefty in their bullpen, right? Oh, that's crazy. Your, your lineup has a lot of on base. Like you better hope you have Chris Russin to ease your. <laughs> so this is totally off topic, but kind of on topic. You mentioned that you, you punt Odor, right? And mm-hmm. you've had seldom been stolen on with a seven battery. So everybody takes Maldo because he's got that nine plus, you know, defense, right? I feel like by taking out Pharaoh or something, you're getting a lot more in offense. And you honestly, people, you're not going to miss like the two defense, right? Well, and that's my, and that's my thing is like, look at Alfaro's card. He's a 11 R plus two. Most pitchers are righties. So most of the time he's going to be a 13. He gets out at four. He singles at six. That's doubles at 17 and natural 20 home run. What's his speed? His speed is eight. So that's his biggest issue and why he's, he's kind four. of, yeah, not great. Uh, and he's got a negative two clutch, but twist of fate on Alfaro against a righty. He's a 13 <laughs> on base. You get plus two to his die roll. Like that's crazy. Blooded in with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, I'm totally into that. Uh, I think, you know, I so it's it's funny because so many of my teams that I built before the Autumn League, uh, or sorry, Polar Power, were had Alfaro in them. Um, and I think there was one other catcher that I used like one time, uh, and I really dug the idea of punting something other than catcher. But then, like when it came down to it, I had to squeeze Freddie Albies and Enter and Ender in there, and you know, like I said earlier in the show, you know, I kind of got convinced. Plus, like Ender's a Gold Glove, so. You know, it, it made sense. So I didn't get to use Alfaro, but I'm glad to see that somebody is and it's working out for you. I mean, you're in first place, so. Yeah, I, I can't complain so far. Can't <laughs> complain. All right, let's talk about the generation sets. Everything, the one set everybody's very excited about. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, it seems like there's going to be a lot of iconic guys in the set. And from some of the leaks that the, you know, commissions gave us, uh, it's pretty exciting, man. I mean, that Eric Gagne, I mean, I hate the guy because I'm a Padre fan, but that card is just, for me, you, I would roster him over Hoffman in a heartbeat. Like my next team with a generation set is going to have Eric Gagne in it. Like cheaper too? um, No, he was more. I think Uh, he was almost 400, I want to say. No, no, sorry. I think he was like 380. I, I hope this, definitely more. this card comes with like glasses printed on it. Just Seriously. Like he has eight command, I think. What? Yeah, it was like eight commands, and it was definitely like a 19 on okay. base. Okay, so you know, I have like, so I have only listened to about half the podcasts, admittedly. So maybe you've spoken to this. Do you know anything about how the the commands are decided when like cards are being made? Because, like, Mariano Rivera is, like, one of the only guys I could think that could ever go past eight command. I mean, and that's just breaking the game completely, is it not? Yeah. I. Th- it's a combination of multiple things. I want to say, like, uh, Whip is included in it because um, he was talking about how that year Gagne had, like, a sub-one walks, hits per innings pitched. Mm, so yeah. I think it's a couple things, including Whip. Um 
But yeah, and he's a plus one. He's got an MVP and a save. Oh, so good. Man, I feel like some of the icons have been less expensive. I mean, that's probably just me not noticing or rather noticing more. Um, but but I feel like some some of these guys you can get with four icons for like 600 bucks. So it's because the way they do icons is the different icons are grouped together. So like if they're related, then you don't... So basically on these generations cards and some of the base set cards, you're not paying for the fourth or fifth icon sometimes. Right. So, so it's like it reaches a, a like a plateau at three or something, and then all the additional ones aren't yeah. additional sound. So I think like, I could be wrong, but I think like home run and RBI are considered like in the same category. And so then if you had like a slugger icon two, yeah. they're all three like kind of the same so you'd only pay like there's a sliding scale of how much each icon costs right. in in each grouping so i think it's 30 for the first 15 for the second and then zero for the third that would make sense i mean for me barry bonds is interesting as a padre fan i'm excited to see caminetti and jake Peavy. And then also the uh, we got Francisco Mejia who we just got from the Indians, so I'm excited about those guys. The Whoa, ones that we've Johnny Damon. Yeah, there's some. It is like peak MLB showdown cards right here. Yeah, no, this is literally peak. You know, before the the show, we were actually just showing each other some of our MLB showdown cards, and this looks like it's got a lot of them. Like Orhei Posada, you're talking. Oh my God, this is everybody: Tori Hunter, John Smoltz, Trot Nixon, Juan Pierre. Wow. You know what I'm interested in, man? I think one of the coolest cards, I mean, obviously all these guys are awesome. It looks like even Derek Jeter's on this. Jesus. Okay, I have I have a Generations-specific question for you. They're like, uh, we have Jim Abbott here right above the flip on the page, and I know there are other starting pitchers in the set that have seven innings pitched. Yeah, there's I'm, quite a few of them. Yeah. How do you feel about the seven inning? So, like, look at this Jim Abbott. He's a four L plus one, one X, seven inning pitched, uh, three defense, get out at 18, double at 24, homer at 25. And he's 425 salary. I'm trying to wrap my head around the seven inning pitch pitcher because I don't feel like it's particularly valuable mm. in clutch. Unless, unless you go shade and go crazy with your starting pitching and you don't need then like effectively don't need relief pitchers but so like take this Jim Abbott for example so you can pitch seven innings however in those seven innings you only get a four L plus one right so that seems very average yeah it does and and you know I think a lot of times you end up paying for like clutch and defense and, and things like this and and you know, to a lot of guys, these are things that are used a lot less, and they are. I mean, your command is used, obviously, every pitch, and, you know, that X range is huge. And, you know, it, immediately before you kind of elaborated on your question, I would have said that that seven innings pitched with that one X alone um, is, is worth the 425. But, I mean, when you step take it back a little bit, um, you know, I said earlier on in the show that I haven't even used my closer once yet. I've used Dellen Batances one time for one inning, and I have a bunch of six-inning pitched guys. So like you're saying, what does that say? I mean, how often do you really use the seven innings pitched? So I think to answer your question, it allows you to kind of punt another spot in your bullpen a little bit, but then you also have to realize, you know, like you said earlier, most of these guys are righties. So how many times is that L plus one coming into play? I mean, if you're talking about a guy like the New England Nightmare, Aaron, 
he's got like six guys with R pluses uh, in his lineup. So, you know, that has nothing to do here, but because I just realized Jim's a lefty, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think my first thought would be that the 1X in the seven innings is worth the 425, but, you know, just by knowing I haven't used my bullpen as much, it is kind of like, I don't know, why not just go get a five? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so my th- the reason I thought of this, because I was thinking it more and go, like, most of my bullpen is better than a four commands. Yeah. Right? So we have Hoffman at seven, Patantis at five, Twaz is a four, who, you, you know, okay. Uh, Rustin's a five, and Hirano's a six. And so I guess my other thing, too, is he can't really go a complete game. Like, would do you really want to pitch him tired at only four commands? Like, no. Mm-hmm. No, not so like, at all. If if he was like a six commands, then it's like okay, that could be useful because then you could pitch him an eighth inning, potentially a ninth, depending on you know how the lineup st- right. structured. So, and and you don't really for me, most people punt most of their bullpen anyways. Yeah. Like most people have the core of Twaza, uh, Dyson, Boxberger, right. Hatcher. So it's yeah. not like you're you're opening up another slot like. After that, this the relief pitchers like are starting in like the low t- hundreds. So, so I'm just gonna go ahead and compare right here. I just wanted to see who in my team like he would replace right now if I had to to throw him in there. And it looks like Drew Pomeranz is 405, and it looks like Abbott's gonna be 425 here. And I mean, fairly comparable, except Drew has that R plus one. And like we've said, you know, multiple times already, there's so many more righties in this league. So, you know, you're getting two two clutch, plus two clutch with Drew, so that's better. You get one less inning pitched, but you get better feeling, fielding, and and that one to two X range. So really the only thing you're giving up with Drew is one inning pitched and, a, you know, one more X. But you do get that R plus one. And, you know, like you said, I, th- I think that's... I mean, I think that's more valuable to me for 20 less salary. Yeah, and the the other thing for Abbott specifically, I just realized, is not being able to give up a walk on the pitcher's chart. That has some value too because then yeah. you reduce the potential for losing an inning. Seven innings. Yeah. Do I, but see, I don't know. This is one of those things where it's kind of unique to everybody. What do you think about the no walk? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I hate it. Um, just because every time somebody gets a, a chart, a pitcher's chart hit on me, a lot of times it's an 18 or a 19 and, you know, that's kind of split 50, 50 between those. And a lot of times it comes with like a guy on second and third and I'll walk somebody on my chart and be like, Ooh, geez, that got close. So I don't know if I would want that. I actually kind of like it because I'll never use them. And for me, I would rather get a single because then I can potentially move up other base runners easier. I'm saying on like the defensive side, like if I had Jim Abbott pitching for oh, me, sure. Like I would rather give up a walk than. Oh yeah, definitely. 18, right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because like I said, with a single, I can move up other runners. With a walk, you just move up one. You can't do anything other than move everybody one base. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask this question, and on the surface, I think you're gonna kind of laugh and say, "Matt, this is a dumb question." But I just want you to pause and think about it for a second after I ask it. Would you rather have Greg Maddox on your team for 805 points, or would you rather have double-sided Shohei Otani on your team for 805 points? I would probably go with Greg, which might sound not what you were thinking. 
I just feel like with Shohei, Shohei, don't you have to roster an extra guy? So you're already giving up, you know, an arbitrary amount of money to begin with. I, I mean, then you're talking about having another guy that can, you know, hit once every once in a while. So if you've already punted Odor like you, then, you know, where do you fit that in? I, I don't know. But I know yeah, with Greg. But Odor you know, is my DH. Exactly. So so I could just. After that. Huh? So what do you do after that? I mean, if you have Shohei, who do you play like Leonis Martin? When he's not, you know, hitting. Well, no, I would have Shohei and I would have Shohei bat in Odor's spot when he's oh, not pitching right. and then and so on the every fifth day i would just put odor in the dh spot man just let's uh give a quick shout out to monty i mean the whole dev team but the, man these designs look so cool i'm glad to see that they spiced it up a little bit and especially the one out of one with the well actually the other ellie has the 90s like paper cup wax cup colors too but but man these things look beautiful and I feel like, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but just being the unofficial clutch podcast, I feel like we're allowed to kind of speak to it. Um, you know, with the MLBPA stuff and all the, the reasons we can't use actual pictures, I feel like they really needed to eventually switch the cards up, you know, look wise to keep people visually engaged, you know, for super users like us, I don't think it matters as much or, or at all. Um, it's a nice bonus to have cool looking new cards, but, um, you know, I think this is something that was, long time coming for them and maybe not long time but um glad to see the team made the switch yeah they're amazing i mean i when they leaked them I, they're just there's beautiful and i i think that props can extend further because to my last question like it's a testament to the game they built that we can sit here and i can ask the question who would you rather have maddox or otani and there's like a serious like debate and like we could talk about 20 for 20 minutes on either side of being like because and the reason I thought of it is like at first it kind of seems ridiculous, right? Like, right. well, of course, Maddox. Like, why wouldn't you want Maddox? He's such a good pitcher. But right. then, like, if you start thinking about the possibilities, like, well, maybe you would want Otani. Like, he's not a terrible pitcher and he's a pretty good hitter. So I think that also speaks to the devs, too, of how good this game is that, you know, we can have questions like that. Yeah. And and I, I and I I'm fine with your answer. I don't have a good answer. I just thought it was an interesting question. Because you know, I, I like... will say, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm very transparent. So, um, I haven't spent a ton of time looking at the Otani card. I actually, um, like, I never considered. Yeah, there it is. Five R plus one. Okay, that actually does help. I thought he was a six, but he's got that one X again in a 25 home run. So, like, in a in a big situation, and he pitched seven well, innings pitched. That's huge. Seven innings. But how much does he cost? Eight oh five. Oh man, I think I take Otani though. Then. And then look at his his batter card. He's a twelve on base. He's a lefty, which is good. He's got a positive. He's got a plus one clutch on both sides. He's a twelve on base. R plus one. Mm, uh, he has zero defense, so you have to basically DH yeah. him. Uh, he's got twelve speed, which isn't great. Four out though, which I mean, not crazy elite, but good. Um, he singles at seven, doubles at eighteen. No natural home run though. This is kind of his biggest thing. Um, I love that hitting chart for what you get for the pitching chart. Um, so like I said, yeah, I, I wasn't super educated on his card just because I haven't spent a lot of time looking at it in my set. Uh, I just felt like it was a little intimidating to try and get him in there. Me being sort of like a second year player. And 
So I, I just very touched on it so briefly earlier, but I played the New England Nightmare, and he was stacked with, I think, six or seven of his guys had R pluses. And I had a righty starting pitcher that day. And, dude, it was it was uh, ulcer city. It was, <laughs> um, it was not fun. So have you ever thought about, like, stacking – are like uh, R or L plus guys in your hitting lineup or not really? No, not really. I, th- I, I do think there's value in that though. Like I said, I do think like, like you said, most of the hitters are righties and, or whatever, whatever it is. Like it, it's very not balanced one way or the other. And right. so, yeah, that's why, that's why I have a couple R plus one guys. Cause that to me, that has more value than an L plus one. You know, I've also found that in my second year, that's been another difference in my plays. You know, using specific stat uh, strats for certain guys, uh, guys being players or <laughs> players being teams, and it's been huge. I think, like back to the track and short porch, I never thought I'd use them, and I, I use them every time I get a chance now. Just ev- I, I saw somebody on the Slack end up hitting a three run bomb or like a grand slam off of like one of those two cards, the offensive one, I think it's short porch. So I was like, fuck it. I'm in. <laughs> well, that's thing. That's how, um, that's how Adores hit his home runs is with strat cards. Uh, oh, I shit. think one was a tailing wins. And I mean, then both might've been telling wins. I can't remember the others. A little bit of an awkward end to this episode, but salty and I were talking so much. We decided to make a second part to this episode. Uh, we ended up talking, I think, for like a total of three hours. So, episode two of the Salty Armada podcast uh, will come out next. <laughs>